Welcome to the Discover Strength Podcast, where we ditch the fads and bring you the latest research on exercise to help you look and feel your best in a fraction of the time. I'm your host, Logan Emmett Herlihy, an exercise physiologist with Discover Strength. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another episode of the Discover Strength Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Emmett Hurley. He's so excited to be joined today by the general manager of our Woodbury location. Jacob Piecht sits down with us today on the podcast to discuss two very interrelated subjects, our ability to predict momentary muscular failure, a concept our listeners should be fairly familiar with, and how we can calculate our own reps and reserve. So we'll dive a little bit deeper into this, but Jake, why don't you say hello and we'll get uh, rocking and rolling here. Well, Logan, it's an absolute pleasure to be back on the show. I believe this is my third or fourth appearance, but my first one in the year 2022. So yeah, I'm excited to get back on and talk um, resistance exercise with you and hopefully help our listeners um, gain a step forward when it comes to their own personal workouts. Yeah, I love it. And we're so glad to have you back. And I, I actually missed a point there too. Our second bigger topic is actually going to be the importance of supervision in resistance training so that you can start to calculate your reps and reserve and get closer to momentary muscle failure. But why don't we start off here, Jake, by just talking a little bit about failure. Now, for our listeners who listened to the last episode with Dr. Patrick Cleese, Andrew Lacus, Coracacus, uh, codename Dr. Pack, uh, it was last episode, season two, episode five. You'll know that there's a lot of ambiguity and kind of defining failure within the exercise science research. So I think it's so important that we really define the specifics of what we mean when we say momentary muscular failure. So I've got a definition here I'd love for you to read for us. This is from uh, a James Steele, Dr. James Steele paper in 2017, where they worked on this exact idea of actually actually defining clinically this idea of momentary muscular failure. So why don't you just share that definition with us and then maybe talk a little bit about your own experience with what failure looks and feels like. Mm -hmm. Great question, Logan. So failure point or set end point um, is when a trainee reaches the point where despite attempting to do so, they cannot complete the concentric or positive portion of their current repetition in specific terms, without deviation from the prescribed form of the exercise. I think that last bit is super important, right, Logan, where we can alter our body comp or alter our body positioning or leverage or squirm to fight for that extra rep. I think that last part of it is without deviation from the prescriptive form of that exercise is so important and so vital, obviously for safety and for results. And your kind of question to me was, what is my um, experience to training to failure and my ability to predict maybe per se set endpoints and set endpoints is so vital um, to be able to predict. And it's so hard to be able to predict where going into each and every exercise, each and every workout, just with a open mind of I'm doubling down on just how hard I'm going to work today under perfect form. And wherever I fall for that day, I fall. Obviously I want to continue to improve on loads and reps and things of that nature. But almost just taking the back seat of, hey, Jake, my goal today or client A, your goal today is just work as hard as you possibly can. And wherever the cards fall, the cards will fall for the day. 
Yeah, I love that. And again, I think it's important here when we're looking at this clinical definition as well, that it's very specific, right? Because we could have a definition of eccentric failure or the negative portion controlling the repetition. But for the most part in the research, we're typically looking at where in the set, where in that exercise set, you start to just totally deviate from, like you said, the prescribed form and start to wiggle. You start to, you know, bring your shoulders up on a chest press, or you start to, um, you know, wiggle your hips when we're doing a leg press. We want perfect form. And that's because we want to keep our clients safe. We want to keep ourselves safe when we're exercising. So let's talk a little bit about the ability that we have as clients, as trainers to actually predict where we are in relation to momentary muscular failure. So from a different study in that same year, uh, James Steele, again, with a few other colleagues, looked at the ability to actually predict their proximity uh, to momentary failure. Now, some of you who've listened to us since the beginning uh, might want a more in-depth analysis, or have already heard this study that we've discussed in detail. I had Dr. Steele on in season one in episode three, and we discussed this actual study. But what they found is that Though our experience has an impact, even experienced trainees are not really good at predicting failures. So what did that spectrum of, of, I guess, guessing sort of look like during these trials? How good or how bad were people at actually predicting how close they were to getting to that point of concentric failure? Yeah, I mean, this this study honestly blew my, my mind a little bit. Um, for you and I, like, I feel like someone that's experienced training, like, oh yeah, I can definitely predict where I am in proximity to failure. And the studies, especially the one that Mr. Steele um, did for us was, hey, on average, we're about one to four repetitions shy of what actually true concentric, once again, momentary muscle failure is. And that's for people that have been trained or a trained state, obviously for these individuals that are novice or brand new to strength training or have never done any sort of just exercise in general, that idea of proximity to failure is just growing amongst 10 to 15 repetitions. Like there was that um, sample size of you know, double digit numbers of how many more reps someone could do. And I mean, this goes into our second kind of topic for the day, but just how vital it is not for someone just to um, be there to coach you and instruct you, but also just to continue to motivate you of, hey, you just have to try this next one because you never know and you might prove yourself wrong, right? Yeah. And I think it's so important to realize how much we can surprise ourselves and specifically sure. somebody who's never trained in this style before. I mean, perfect example, this morning, I had an introductory workout at our Woodbury location. And I had a new client that came in that we always start on the chest press. I like to start on the chest press for exercises and kind of talk to somebody about what this idea of momentary muscle failure might actually actually look like. Now, I, I use a little more simple terms than that definition we, we used to describe it before, but essentially it's the point, you know, if I offer you $10,000, you can't get another rep in perfect form. That's kind of the uh, analogy I like to use for people. And man, do people surprise themselves. You said a weight that, that they think might be pretty ambitious. And that was the case today, you know, six reps in, and this lady was telling me, I think I've got maybe two or three more, Well, she got to 15 before I had to cut her off, uh, because it was just taking too long. And we did a little finisher together. So she didn't actually reach concentric failure on that particular exercise, but she did on a few later. And and that's really what we're talking about here, right? Is especially if you've never been exposed to the discomfort that comes from resistance training with that high level of intensity, your idea of what 
failure is, is probably pretty far off. So, so what does that mean? It means we're not very good at telling how close we are to actual failure. But as we've discussed so many times on this episode or on this podcast, training to failure is extremely valuable, right? And it's extremely uncomfortable and it's easy to confuse discomfort with actual failure. So, you know, I've shared a little anecdote there. What has your experience been like with clients, um, newer clients, older clients with this idea of reaching failure and maybe even in your work, your own workouts, what has that been like? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of our clients will understand this as well. And you hundred percent do you've done millions of workouts, but we're each going to have our own kind of exercises per se that we might just be more motivated to do, right? A male might come in and he might blow himself up on a chest press or a bicep curl and go to a leg press. And it's like a, a switch is completely different of what actual failure is like. And we can give numerous of examples of this as well. Um, but obviously just motivation factor on pushing yourself to true failure is so extremely vital. And in all reality, the intensity of your workout is the one thing that you can control, no matter how hard you push me or educate me or coach me. And all reality, I get to dictate how hard I work today. And the higher my intensity level, the better health-related, strength-related, cognitive-related benefits I'm, I am going to receive. Um, but it's just finding a way to be in it with each and every one of my clients. And I know how hard it is to get to failure on a leg press or a leg extension. And if I can try to put myself in that person's shoes and just try to be there for them, um, I truly think that makes the difference between someone getting eight reps and 12 reps. It's just being in it with them and telling them, I know how uncomfortable it is, but in all reality, this is why you came through the front door right now is to get these last four repetitions or just get that last repetition. And it's just a little cues in my opinion, where if you were to tell me that, like, you know what, Logan, like I did come in for a reason today. And that reason was to get stuck 10 times, not almost get stuck 10 times. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's so important to just share with our listeners too. And you kind of touched on it here, but the, the importance, and we'll obviously dive into this a little bit more next of having supervision and training under supervision and having somebody there to push you. And we get this question all the time. I know I do. I know you do as well. And, and for all of our other trainers, newer clients, especially like to ask us, how do you guys train? Um, you know, how often are you in here? You're probably in here five days a week. And it just blows their mind when we tell them that we do the same thing twice a week for 30 minutes, sometimes more, sometimes less, just depending on schedule. But without question, uh, you know, Luke likes to talk about, I think over the course of the last 17 years, he's done like three workouts without supervision for whatever, you know, random reasons. Now my, my numbers might be a little bit worse than that, but it's still pretty, it's definitely in the 90 percentile since I've been at discover strength of always having somebody there, even if it's during a virtual workout, even if it's, you know, just having somebody even on the phone, just to push me, get that extra motivation. Sometimes it's my girlfriend just being there. If I can't, uh, you know, have an exercise physiologist next to me, just to have the impact of that supervision will allow you to push yourself a little bit further. And that's what we're going to talk about next is the importance of supervision. Something that we're continuing to see just is becoming more and more important in the scientific literature when it comes to getting that last little bit out of your yourself. So why don't you kind of share with us the big takeaways we had? We have like four or five different studies that we've kind of consolidated for our clients as sort of an educational piece here, but there's a big takeaway that I want you to share with our listeners here. So why don't you share that with everyone? 
Are you experiencing low back pain that continues to persist even though you've tried everything? Research indicates the root cause of most back pain is due to deconditioning or lack of strength in the low back musculature. Unlike chiropractic, massage, and other passive therapies that treat the symptoms of low back pain, Medic's Medical Low Back Therapy by Discover Strength is an active therapy, which means it treats the pain at its source. With just two sessions a week for five weeks, the Medic's Medical Low Back Therapy will help you decrease pain levels, increase flexibility and mobility, and improve quality of life and independence. Schedule your free introductory session at our Chanhassen location today. Yeah, I mean, there's tons and tons of literature and research that is going to back up, literally in simple terms, as close to a one-to-one ratio is going to help us get the best results. Basically, we work harder, we train more effectively, and we get better results when we train with supervision. Obviously, there's times where we're going to train, me personally, we're going to train in a group setting, one, one trainer to a three person ratio. And even in those matters, like I consider myself someone, um, that is motivated. Right. And there's still times that you're going to purposely cheat on a leg press or a chest press because it's hard to train to failure. And it just always reiterizes in my mind, the importance of really one to one supervision or as close to one to one supervision. If I want to lose body fat. If I want to continue to increase lean muscle tissue, if I want to increase my bone mineral density and things of that nature, and all reality just keeps it safe. We're we're more, we're more motivated and an IE we're going to have better results in the big picture. If we are just training as close to a one-on-one setting as humanly possible. Yeah. And, and I'd love for you to even read just the italicized portion that I have highlighted here in our our kind of notes as well, because I think it's so important to sort of synthesize all the information we've used from these different studies and share really what the research has to say. Mm -hmm. And it's just so much more profound when it comes from that evidence-based perspective. So why don't you read that to everyone? So straight out of Solent University, we produce better results, i.e. strength, body composition, muscle size, cardiometabolic measures when we are supervised. This applies to a 20-year-old college athlete and a 60-year-old type 2 diabetic. As the supervision ratio increases and nears a one-to-one ratio, results continue to get better. Supervision appears to be even more valuable the longer that we train or the longer the duration of the study. Yeah, so so important. And, and it's been shown again and again. And there's actually a, another really interesting meta-analysis coming out of Solent University soon here in the next few weeks. I think they're in the pre-print uh, phase right now looking for um, some reviews before they get published. But once that is published, we'll definitely have uh, Dr. Steele Fisher, Dr. Pack on. But, but the big takeaway is we work harder, we train more effectively, and we get more beneficial results when we train with supervision. And it depends on the ratio, right? So as you decrease, or according to that, increase the ratio, meaning just shrink the ratio closer to one to one, 
the results become even better. And, you know, I think supervision alone can improve performance, but having motivation, having somebody who understands what they're doing is just going to get you the most out of your actual workouts. Like you said, 30 to 60 minutes per week. So what does this all mean? Well, we know you can and will see improvements if you strength train, specifically if you strength train to momentary muscular failure. And if your goal is to maximize benefits in a minimum time, you definitely should strength train to momentary failure. If you do train to momentary failure, you're probably not very good at gauging how close you are on your own and you'll work harder and fatigue more deeply with supervision, which means you'll get closer to momentary failure and maximize your benefits. Is there anything else you would say to listeners to kind of wrap this in a big bow, just sort of put a cherry on top of this whole Sunday of, you know, work hard, train to failure. We're not very good at predicting how close we are and the way we get better at it is having somebody there who can hold us accountable and supervise us. 100%. Could not agree more. They said putting a bow tie on in simple terms, strength, train hard, brief, infrequent, to failure or as close to failure as we possibly can, i.e. also under supervision. Uh, the better the supervision ratio, the better results. So whether it's a, a one to three, it's going to be a lot better than a one to 20 or one to 30. So just train as in in a small of group or as close to one-on-one -on -one setting as possible. Um, so whether you're in a group or a one-on-one, -on -one, um, you're going to get the best bang for your buck when, per se when it comes to training at Discover Strength, Logan. Yeah, I love that. Couldn't have said it better myself. And um, j just awesome. Thank you so much for, for joining us today, Jake. I really appreciate it. And thank you for listening. We'll see you all again in a couple of weeks. Thanks for having me, Logan. Of course. 